Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople, welcome to the show. Today, it's my great pleasure to have Colleen Manning. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Colleen is the Director of Sales at Easy Cater. They're an online marketplace for business catering. Topic-wise, we're going to talk about how to set yourself up for promotion, something we have not talked much about on the show. And uh, Colleen's had uh, plenty of experience on both sides of that. And, And I'm sure, like many leaders, being asked all the time, what do I need to do to get promoted? Before we get there, though, I'm going to ask the usual question I'd love to start with because I'm a voracious reader. And Colleen, I'm wondering, what's your favorite sales book of all time? And tell us a little bit about why. One of the books that I think is kind of relevant to this topic about promotions and you know some of the things that you need to get there in your career is Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions by Keith Rosen. That's a book that I kind of relate back to multiple times in my career. And I always recommend that to sales professionals that are individual contributors as well as managers in their career. I think it's something that just really helps them you know, grow. Some of the topics that they cover that I love are things like how to help people with self-motivation, handling difficult situations. I think that's one of the big topics. I think a lot of managers are fearful of providing that feedback and they really just need to get over it. I mean, that's part of their job here is to help coach and develop people. And so this book really helps teach people about, you know, that empowerment and focusing on, you know, really the why and not the what of what the reps are doing. Love to get into the the promotion side of things, but Before we do that, I was reading through your LinkedIn profile, as I always do, and you have something that I find super fascinating, which is how you started your your sales and professional career at McDonald's for over nine years. So I'd love to just hear why McDonald's and what you learned there. So I literally started there. It was my first job. I was in high school. The day I turned 14, I had, you know, my little card from the school in my hand that, you know, said I could go get a job. I started there. You know, I enjoyed the fast pace, the hustle. I mean, it's actually interesting. It's very similar to a sales role. I mean, they have, you know, drive-through goals. They've got time goals for how quick they need to get customers through. They have goals in the kitchen on how you know quickly they need to prepare food. So that fast-paced environment was right up my alley from the beginning. So, you know, I started there obviously I was young in my career, but I quickly moved into a coaching type of role and training new people, eventually moving up into a manager position, and for the last few years um, I ran one of the local stores here in Massachusetts. So, I learned I learned a lot of things. I mean, I learned different languages because I needed to be able to interview and train people that were coming in to apply for jobs there. You know, I learned a lot of the operation side of things. And I think the biggest thing is that I learned how to deal with so many people. You get so many customer service complaints and, you know, you just really have to be able to to manage not only your staff, but the incoming customers very well. Since you started there at 14 and you were there for nine years, I'm going to presume that McDonald's was college for you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, it was. So that was where I got all of my learning, all of my training. Um, to be honest, like, you know, once I was in high school, I really didn't even want to go to school anymore. I felt like I was learning more at work than I was at school. So it really was, you know, I didn't end up 
attending college after I, I graduated high school, which is different than most people's background. And, you know, a lot of people ask, like, how how have I gotten this far in my career without that degree? But it's really just been, you know, my personal motivation and persistence and really my confidence. Like, I know that I can learn and do anything that I put my head to, right? I, I can pick up a book. I can read different articles. I can learn things on my own. And that's really what's gotten me where I am today. Let's move over to the main topic of the day. So I'll start this out by saying, I, I presume that that you, as with all sales leaders, are, are constantly being asked by the individual contributors how they get promoted. Is that a fair statement? All the time. Um you know, and to give you a little bit of kind of background on my current role. So in the role that I'm in today, so I oversee um, a team of managers and sales operations managers. So our managers are the ones that, you know, are managing team leads and reps. But of course, you know, I welcome conversations from individual contributors all the time. I really encourage those conversations with them. And I want to make sure that they know that, you know, they don't have to go just to their team lead or just to their manager that, you know, myself or even other people across the floor are are always available to have those conversations with them. So I get really excited when people, you know, want to know like, Hey, how did you get where you are today? And what can I do to be thinking about the next step in my career? You know, so it's certainly something at the rep level, you know, and then of course at the manager level as well. I remember asking the question of my manager when I was probably 25 or something like that. And I look back on it and cringe a little bit because, you know, now as a manager, I have a really hard time answering the question. So I imagine I came to you and I asked you and I, and I was an individual contributor and I wanted to move up. What advice would you give me? You know, the first thing that I really like to understand is what is it that their career aspirations look like? What What is it that they're trying to get to next, right? I think sometimes people think the only next step for me is to get to a manager, right? And that's not necessarily the right path for everybody. We need really strong and really successful salespeople too. So I think first and foremost, I like to understand, you know, what are their goals beyond here? Why are they thinking about management? Um, is that just because they think that's what they have to do next? Or do they actually enjoy coaching people and developing people and want to move into a manager path? I also think that, you know, a lot of times the individual contributors don't realize that, you know, sometimes they're going to make more money by staying in a rep position. So they might might be thinking, okay, that that's the next step in my career. That's how I am going to make more money. Um, and so I really like to understand, you know, what are their motivations? What is it that they're trying to accomplish and really go from there? So first and foremost, it's trying to figure out, do we coach them on how to get promoted into a senior account executive or, you know, onto an enterprise team, or are we actually talking about how to get them more training and coaching and development to become into that team leader manager path? Have you found, though, that a lot of folks, they don't know what they want to be. Uh, they just know that they want more, more money, more power, more control, bigger title and so on. Is that something you found? Yeah, it's really an interesting point. And um, one of the first recommendations that I make to people who are interested in a different role is actually going and shadowing. We're a huge shadow culture. So I always recommend, okay, if it's a team lead position that you're interested in, don't just sit with your own team lead, sit with every single team lead on the floor because they're all going to have different responsibilities. They're all going to work different ways and different styles. So I really want them to learn like 
what does the day-to-day actually look like? What are they going to be responsible for? Are they going to enjoy the job that they're saying that they want to get? You know, and similarly with every single position on the floor, sometimes we'll have people that come from other departments, like our customer service team, and they say, hey, you know, how can I get a promotion into the sales organization? And the first question that I've always, I always ask them is, have you actually shadowed any of our sales reps? Have you sat with any of the teams? Do you know what the data looks like? We are interesting in that we don't just have your typical sales organization where it's, you know, split up by territories or split up by SMB and enterprise sales. We have about 12 different teams on the floor doing totally different things. So I want to know, is there is there one of those teams that, you know, you've sat with and you really see yourself being successful? So I think that's a really good point. I think people need to know what is the job exactly that I'm actually applying for before they go and put in the work and trying to get that promotion. You know, it kind of needs to be somebody who is maybe not necessarily the best performer, but you have to be performing pretty well, right? If you're at the bottom, it's going to be really hard to advocate for that person to become a manager if they're not going to be able to coach and develop their people. So I think you're not necessarily always looking for that top person on the team, but you certainly can't be at the bottom either. Yeah. One of my rules is that when I promote someone to manager, I'm looking for someone who is above average, right? They don't have to be the the highest performer. In fact, oftentimes the highest performer is very much a, a lone wolf. And then my second criteria is I want them to already be sought after by their peers for advice, right? Like it just happened that they have become an informal coach just by the fact that other people respected their knowledge and felt that they were approachable. And the flip side is that person's heart is obviously in helping other people. Absolutely. And especially, you know, being almost, you know, three levels removed right now from individual contributors, it's the people in the middle are the ones that are advocating for them, right? If you have a strong group of peers or people right above or below you who have seen your work, they work super closely with you and they're looking forward to, you know, potentially working for you, that's huge in getting moved up to the next level. People come to me and they ask me how, how I get promoted and they're not out working their peers Yeah, in their evenings and weekends. They're not studying the art and the science of sales. They're watching Netflix or socializing, which those things are perfectly healthy things to do. I'm just saying that I, I think there's a trade-off. Where do you come down on that? Yeah. So here's the thing for me. If you're looking to the next level, the first thing that you need to be doing is acting the role today. So if somebody comes and they're looking to get to the next level, my first response, you know, after have you actually shadowed and know what the job is, is what have you been doing to prepare for this job, right? Like what are some of the responsibilities that they've taken on? What are some of the new skills or um, technologies that they've developed in order to take on that role? So I'll give you a perfect example. I had somebody who works with me still currently. Um, I love this person. Um, they were one of my first hires at Easy Cater. And after about a year being a rep on the team, he applied to be a sales manager. One of my first questions was, okay, well, what are some of the things that you've done to prepare to be a sales manager? You know, and I kind of got that blank stare and I gave him a list of reasons. I said, look, here's all the things that I'm looking for. Here are the skills that you are missing today. Here's some of the responsibilities that are going to be on the plate of a sales manager. And, you know, for that reason, you're not ready for this role. So, We continued to interview for that position. We had multiple candidates coming in. I will say we're very, 
I don't know if the word is picky, but we take our time making sure we're hiring the right people. So we don't just, you know, make an offer to the first person that comes in. So it did take us a couple months. And I had this person come back to me after two months and literally like had a Rolodex of all the books that he read, all the podcasts he listened to, all the new skills and techniques that he had learned, all the ways that he had prepared for this position. He didn't get down by the fact that I said no to him on this job. He literally just started acting like that was his job, even though I said no. So at that point, it actually made more sense to me to move him into that position rather than hiring somebody external. So in order to get that promotion, just start acting that way. You know, if somebody looks around and they say, hey, that person's kind of already doing it, it makes you an easy choice. When you're advising somebody on the skills that they need to move from individual contributor to manager, what are some of the skills that are top of mind for you? I mean, it's definitely some of those things that, um, you know, I mentioned in the coaching salespeople into sales champions book, it's, um, being able to, you know, it's not worrying about yourself anymore. It's worrying about how do you get the person working for you to work better, work smarter, work, you know, more effectively, right? It's not about making sure that they're the first one there in the morning and the last one there at the end of the day. I actually don't advise that at all. I think you need to be able to have a balance in your life, but it's really about how do you work with people and how do you coach them? How do you develop them? How do you empower them? You know, one of the big things that when I'm working with managers, they're like, how do I, how do I teach this to somebody? Or if they're not getting it, what do I do? And I always recommend it's way easier if you can get them to come up with the solution that you're trying to tell them. So, you know, work with them to help them uncover the, the answer themselves, have them give you the answer that you're looking for so that you don't have to tell them how to do something. It's always best when people kind of have that light and that aha moment. And then it's just the manager's job to be like, yes, you're getting it. Let me help you do that. It's really just about, you know, helping those people work better and smarter. And it's not about managing their day to day at all, in my opinion. Yeah. I wanted to drill down into one of the statements you said, which is they have to have a balance in their life. I'm thinking about it now because yesterday afternoon, someone sent me a link and it was to a conversation between, I think, two of the most reviled people in B2B sales, Grant Cardone and um, Jordan Belfort. And I, I sat and watched it. And Grant Cardone in, in particular, I mean, he says this thing, which is basically you need to, if, if you want to get ahead, you need to have 10x bigger goals and you have to put in 10x the effort. And that the biggest thing separating, you know, winners and losers, the winners basically put in the 10x effort. And that does not particularly speak to a great degree of, of balance in your life. How do you reconcile the, you know, the advice of people like that who, you know, have been successful in their careers and have outworked everyone with this concept of balance that, that so many people are striving for? Yeah, I, I, I definitely disagree with those philosophies. Um, have I certainly, you know, had to work a bajillion hours to accomplish some of the things I've, I've been doing? Sure. Have there been days and companies that I've worked at where, you know, I am in the office at 7am and I'm there until 8pm? Absolutely. And I just, I've changed my mindset. That to me is not, it's not working smarter. You might be working harder, you know, but you're getting burnt out. Like this is not 
a sprint. This is a marathon. So if you want to accomplish your goals over a long period of time, you're going to get burnt out if you're not working effectively. So specifically with our new hires, I hold kind of a welcome aboard meeting during their first week. We go over some of the company, the culture, and I specifically, you know, tell them this is this is a normal working environment. You know, if you come in at nine and you leave at five, you're not going to get looked at as though you're taking a half day today. I want people to go home. I want people to enjoy their family and I want them to come back energized the next day. I think, you know, when people are solely focused on work, they're going to get burnt out and they're not going to work as hard. I also think it's somewhat of a show. I think, you know, the people that come in super early in the morning or they're there super late at night, it's just for kind of like that recognition. I can't tell you how many people I've seen that are in early or they're late and they're not even working at all. (laughs) They're taking care of personal things because they are there so long. So I definitely disagree with that philosophy as a whole. And hey, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's plenty of nights where, yes, I I leave the office at five o'clock and maybe I'm working at nine o'clock after my family goes to bed, but it's certainly not all the time. And I make sure that I am leaving the office at normal hours so that I can spend that time with my family. You know, I can I can very much relate to that as, you know, when my children were were younger, right, I would come home at a much more reasonable time and spend those precious two, three hours, I guess, probably feeding them, giving them a bath, you know, mm-hmm. playing with them, and then absolutely putting them down to bed around whatever it was, 8, 30, 9 o'clock, and then going back to work. Yeah. You know, it's, it's part of the job. And um, I actually find that it works well for me, you know, and, and again, I'm not by any means working every single night, but there's a lot of times where I feel comfortable, you know, doing the amount of work that I'm doing during the day because I know that I can, you know, get some of the other tasks or simpler things that I can do in my off time after they go to bed. So I also like will not make it a point to send any sort of communication after hours that are going to affect other people's time off. So if I'm doing things after hours, it's things to get off my own task list. It's not, you know, emails to other people or meetings by any means. It's kind of just things to help me get organized. Yeah, I want to highlight underscore asterisk your last point, which is as a leader, it's, I think, incredibly important not to send emails after hours unless they're truly once in a blue moon, insanely urgent things. We talked a lot about getting promoted from individual contributor to manager. I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of that next step, which is the promotion from manager to you know director, vice president. I think the philosophy of it is the same exact thing as, you know, moving from individual contributor to manager. I think take on those responsibilities, make sure you're gaining insight or networking with other people to understand, hey, what are the responsibilities? What does the role look like? What are the skills that I can learn today? I think the worst thing that you can do for yourself is just look at that promotion as, okay, once I get it, then I learn the job. Learn the job first. Set yourself up for success by knowing exactly what it is that's going to be expected of you. Get a clear understanding from your boss. Understand, okay, you know, in this role that you're looking to fill, what is the day-to-day? What are the responsibilities? What are the skills that I need to develop? And before you ask for that promotion, go figure out some ways to learn those things first. So I think it's super important just to understand what is the job that you're going for and how can I prepare myself to learn those skills before I go and ask for it. Yeah, I was thinking of specific skills. I mean, I've got three I'll throw out there that I think are are critical in that move. One is you have to go to a next level in your ability to to delegate, which is a part of time management. You need to really, really sharpen your collaboration skills. 
Three is building your analytical and critical thinking skills. Are, are there others for you that you look for as key skills from moving from manager to director or VP? Communication is huge. And it's something that, you know, I learned the hard way for sure. At a certain point in my career, I kind of felt like, okay, I don't need to communicate everything to everybody. I only need to communicate to, you know, the people it directly affects. But really everything that you do, every new procedure that you roll out, every new, you know, sales process that you change, it trickle effects to everybody. And I think communication, making sure that you're getting the message out in a in a clear, concise format to everybody is super important, right? If, if I'm rolling something out to the managers, yes, it directly affects the managers, but you know what? It's directly going to affect the reps too. So I do think communication is huge. We started implementing a while ago, a bi-weekly sales email. So every Friday, it comes from me. It's a message on you know some of the changes, some of the things that are going on, any new hires to the team so that people can put a face to the name, you know, anything that's going on. It now comes out in a few different formats so that depending on how you take information, you're getting it in multiple different ways. The other part is a vision. I think that as you get higher in your career, you need to be able to influence people towards the greater strategy of the company, right? We all get very into our day to day. And I think, you know, just being able to talk about like, what are the goals of the company and how are they directly affecting it is really critical in in everybody's success. We talked a lot about, you know, kind of the younger generation moving up into the organization. One of the things that we didn't touch on a lot, but maybe more senior people in their career. And one of the things that I've seen for sure is just not kind of adapting to, you know, new technologies, new things. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, maybe some senior people on the floor can do to make sure that they're in a good position for promotions as well as they can learn just as much from the younger generation coming in as the younger generation can learn from them. So I think kind of keeping up to date with what are some of the new tactics, what are some new tools that they could develop and not being stuck in their own ways will be super helpful for some of those people that are a little bit older in their career too. Sometimes I think people also need to know that in order to get a promotion, it's okay if they need to look elsewhere. If they're you know ready for that next step in their career, but their company isn't ready for them, I think people need to be comfortable and confident that sometimes they need to leave in order to get what they're looking for. And that's okay. You know, being obviously a larger organization, there's there's not going to be a spot for everybody to move up at the pace that they're looking to move up at. That's okay too. And sometimes they need to look to find what it is that they're looking for if they're ready. I mostly agree with that one. I will say I did a, some research where I, I looked at all Fortune 500 CEOs. I also looked at the CEOs of the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies. And I found that the people who, you know, who made it to the most senior levels were disproportionately those people who stuck it out at companies for a long time. Mm-hmm. And as I reflect on my own career, I hate to have any career regret, but I kind of do regret sort of places where I've only spent two years. The, those, mm-hmm. those are ones where I, I reflect a little bit and I just wish I had had more patience and, and stuck it out. But that patience came with age. I don't know if you can have that in your 20s and 30s. Yeah, I don't know. And I think it depends on, you know, the, the type and the size of company that you're at too. You know, I certainly in my career and I'm proud, I really don't have any regrets. I don't look back and say, I wish I stayed here or wish I did this differently. I think every opportunity that I've moved on to has really been for the better for me. And I think, you know, 
like for an example, with EasyCater, the company I'm at right now, we've grown. I mean, when I started at the company, we were in the low hundreds for employee count. We're over 700 today. So with that amount of growth that you go through, you know, sometimes you just need different types of people for different types of roles. And the people that you have there might not have the experience that the company is looking for. Yeah, I think very, very fair. And if there were perfect advice on how long to stay, uh, you know, everyone would be doing the same thing. So uh, I appreciate it. Well, Colleen, this is insanely amazing. I learned a lot about uh, many things, including how to get promoted at, at work and, and how to keep the saw sharp as you get as you get older. If people wanted to learn more about you, connect with you, learn more about Easy Cater, how would they do that? You can find me through LinkedIn, Colleen Manning. Again, I am at EasyCater and, you know, happy to connect, you know, over the phone or email with people who are interested in learning more. I am one of the volunteers through LinkedIn for helping people with their career advice too. So definitely an open networker through LinkedIn and certainly encourage any, any requests through there. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast. 